I'm Christina. And I'm Megan. And, and this, this is, is the, the Aftermath, Aftermath of Sex. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our show. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little show. formal. <laughs> How y'all doing? I hate when I ask that I question. I know, because they're, they're not good. They can't, can't respond. respond. Christina's doing much better, though. I can't. Yes. She she sounds good now. Thank you. <laughs> because I was really rough. Yeah. Like, just coughing. Um, or not coughing. Laughing. Yeah. It sounded like I was like this, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't laugh properly and I couldn't speak properly. Mm-hmm. So thanks for bearing with that. Yeah. Yeah. She looks better too. She looks healthy. Healthy. Yeah. That's nice of you. That's very kind. <laughs> I am feeling better. I'm tired still, but I'm feeling better. Yeah. 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 Well, should we talk just like some other housekeeping stuff? Yeah. So we're, we should talk about the women's affair. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there is something that we do in Alaska, or not that we do, but that we're joining and we're participating in um, this, like, it's like a, what it would, a, it's not a convention. It's like it's a like, show. It's like like a, a show, kind of like a bazaar. A bazaar. Type thing. And it's called the women's affair. And it's got all these different vendors and booths and um, all kinds of stuff that women like. Yeah. And so we decided to go and meet the people. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. Yeah. So we're um, going to have a booth. We're going to have a booth. You have to come visit so us. So if you're here in Fairbanks, come check us out. Yeah. Come say hi. Meet us in per- yeah. person. We'll have a drawing. You can enter. Yeah. Me. Big drawing. And <clears throat> um, also, um, there's going to be a merch store, yeah, which is so exciting and yeah. kind of surreal. I know. But we thought, how can you do an event like that and not have an oh, opportunity merch. for people to get some stuff, yeah. some swag? Yeah, with our awesome logo. Oh, yes. And um, the store will be open from the 23rd to uh, the 23rd of May to the 4th. Yes, the no. 23rd of March. March. <laughs> okay, y'all. The 23rd of March to the uh, 4th of April. Yeah. And um, watch out on social media. There's going to be some QR codes mm-hmm. that um, you can just click on and go right to the merch store, which yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah. And um, there'll be all kinds of things to buy. There'll be sweatshirts, sweatpants, T-shirts, um, period bag, like yeah. bag things. So we uh, we call it a period pouch. Period pouch. Thank you yes. for the words. Yeah. A period pouch just so you can have something ready for yourself. Yeah. There's tote bags, yes. some stickers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll see you there. Yeah. Come, come give us some love yeah. and a smile. Yeah. And enter to win some free stuff. Speaking of entering to win free exactly. things. Exactly. What a segue. Yeah. Not even planned. I know. Um, you're pretty awesome, so Megan. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where are our people? Yeah. I think um, so we have this this current giveaway going on. Um, and we've had a few entries, but I feel like there's more people out there that need a little persuasion. <laughs> 
um, <laughs> because we've only had a few in this last couple of weeks, which is crazy because before like they were flying in. So we really want you guys to know that there's a drawing that you could win some cool merch. Um, And this drawing, I'm going to give you the ending date because last time I didn't. So maybe you think you have lots of time, all the time in the world, but um, it ends on the 18th. So um, get your stories in. And this could be any type of story. It could be a vagitale or, a birth adventure. Breastimonial. Titty tribulation. Yes. <laughs> um, anything. Yeah. <clears throat> and then also, too, if you don't feel like sharing a story, that's okay. We still love you. Yeah. Um, and one of the best ways to support us is to like our show. Um, give us, a like, a written yeah. review and then share us with your besties. Yeah. We would appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, Megan. Okay. Megan's got a topic. Are we ready? Okay. <laughs> Let's just dive into it. She's really going to love this. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. How, yeah. We'll see how this goes. This, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So yeah. we're going to talk about preeclampsia today. I love it. And um, there is preeclampsia. There's a lot. It's thick. Yeah. There's so, so much that it could be like a four episode thing, but it's not. It's just one. Mm-hmm. So just know that I'm going to talk about a bunch of stuff, but there's just so much more. And I think at like a really deep level, yeah. but I tried to like break it down for the audience because like biochemistry, not my favorite subject. Right. And I think really what we're trying to do on our podcast is to enlighten and to give Good. Some good information. It's easy to digest. Yeah. Easy and to understand. They can give you a starting place. Yeah. And then there's more. There's so more. all of our topics, there's probably more. There's always more. There's, there's always so more. And we're constantly evolving as a medical society. Yeah. So I think that's important to remember. And this is one of those topics that is constantly evolving. And um, you kind of have to just keep learning. Yeah. So as we learn more, we'll keep educating too. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to just, one thing that I have really, <laughs> just like finish the sentence. Um, one thing that I've really loved about doing this podcast is like learning about the history of stuff. Yeah. I, I realized that um, I really like to learn about like the history of well, I think stuff. It's um, kind of cool, especially medicine, obviously. Yeah. Med- medical things yeah. Is, are great. Um, wild. I, you have to remind me to tell you something that my son told me. Okay. I'm just now remembering this now. Yeah. And it's about our previous wandering womb episode oh. that he heard in the okay. car. Okay. As oh, I was listening. Yeah, I was listening for edits yeah. that we might need to make. Yeah. And um, well, maybe I'll just talk about it now. Is that okay? Well, yeah, because I was <clears> gonna <throat> say, I was just gonna start out that we're gonna I'm gonna briefly mention the wandering womb. Oh, it's perfect. Because this ties together. That's why I did that. Yeah. So, um, wandering womb is essentially part one of preeclampsia. So go back and listen to that. So you kind of get an idea. An idea that, of how they of thought how, about, about mm-hmm. stuff back then. Um, yeah. Because we're going to kind of jump back to the fourth and fifth centuries to start. So go ahead. So my son told me I needed to be careful with how I speak. Oh, I don't Because um, he felt a little attacked as a man. Oh. Oh, and okay. um, he said, you have to be careful what you say okay. because people might take offense. Okay. And I said, well, Ben, you know that I love the men. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but did they know? Oh. And I was like, okay, well, then I fair point. To... So anyway, I just want everybody. To the men. Yeah. 
you know, we love you. Yeah, we do. And when I'm making jokes, it's like, you know, it's just hurts. It's just for fun. We love all people here. We do. We do. That we, is a true statement. We love all we people. cherish all the humans. Yeah. And so I thought I would just call myself out okay. and say that my son noticed. Okay. And he now wanted me to make sure that I wasn't knocking on the men. Okay. Well, knocking them down. Let's be careful then. But back in the day, they could have been knocked down a minute. Well, I mean, there were some really terrible ways that they treated the ladies. You yeah. Know? And that's not, I mean, obviously that was way back. back yeah, but yeah, back exactly. They could have done things a bit different. Right. Exactly. I agree. So anyway, okay. moving right. on, which by the way, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the wandering womb was so fascinating to me. It is and, fascinating. You know, it's hard to digest in just a moment. Yeah. But thinking about it, I know. I was like, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? And how have we evolved? Yeah. Because we have, clearly. Yeah, we have. But like that was crazy. I know. And I, know. I just it's hard for me to understand it. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Okay, well, we're gonna talk a little bit more about okay. we'll revisit it briefly. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay. So back around the fourth and fifth centuries, it was believed that the body was made of the four humors. We talked about those a little bit, blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile, and that people would become sick um, if these four humors were out of whack. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this was like a, a Hippocrates. Yes. Theory. Yes. Mind you. Um, and so, so many things back then um, in female health specifically were contributed to this wandering womb theory yeah. that we spoke about in that last episode. So go back and listen to that for more information. But basically the gist is that this uterus would wander if it wasn't satisfied. Okay. Wreaking <laughs> havoc on all the other organs like the stomach, liver, spleen, lungs, leading to disease. And um, if you want to know what makes it unsatisfied, Go listen to the other episode. Yeah, right. Because it's funny. Um, anyway, so um, back in the day, treatments would um, focus on this imbalance of the four humors or the wandering room. And it would um, focus on the restoration of internal balance. Uh, remedies included things like altering diets, purging, and bloodletting. <laughs> Why are we bloodletting though? I don't understand. It actually happens so frequently for lots of different things, and they did it for so long. Yeah, so long. Anyway, um, Christina's distracting me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I need to get my life together. Okay. Listen, I am sorry. <laughs> I can't. I can't. There's no excuse for me. No, there's not. Sorry. Okay. So, um. Hippocrates thought that women needed to be either pregnant, lactating, or regularly menstruating in order to maintain this homeostasis. Okay, so just think so about that. For is a this where pregnant and barefooted came into play in our uh, lives? Probably, because that's right. Basically, for you, for the woman to be in this homeostasis or this balance, they had to be either pregnant, lactating. Or menstruating all the time. I'm going to tell you. What the? Actual. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that those are the times that I, I am most not, not me. Exactly. Where did they get this from? I have no idea. Maybe we were so exhausted yeah. 
from lactating or <laughs> menstruating and birthing children, birthing babies that they're like, oh, we don't even have to deal with them I today because they don't have any yeah. energy. They're feeding the baby I all know. the time. Honestly, I'm getting the same feelers that I did when I, we were talking about the wandering womb. I know. Okay, I think it's, it's your fault. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, he thought that, well, actually his kind of rationale for things. <laughs> Christina's going to get fired. <laughs> I'm going to fire her. <laughs> I'm having such... Woo, I'm really lightheaded because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> oh, wow, my ears are ringing. Oh, are you oh, going to be okay? I'm going to be fine. Okay. Oh, here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so they need to know what I'm trying to do because yeah. maybe it would be nice if you knew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't kidding. know what's going on. Okay, let me just tell you, she's got this camera in my face, her phone, and she's recording me. But this wasn't. There's no wasn't, recording what, happening. What are you doing? Well, I was trying to set up a recording so that I could just see your perfect little face. But I'm sitting right in front of you. I know, but the people <laughs> can't see you. I know. It's a podcast. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Just have fun. I thought that this was going to be a serious okay. episode, but already. Well, here we are. Is there anything us. serious when us. it comes to us? Yeah. I mean, we are serious when we, we have to be. Yeah. <clears throat> but we just like this is a laughing matter. Yeah. No, preclampsy is not. It's not the title of the episode. But me putting this camera on is <laughs> it's not even on yet. Because not I yet. Well, I want the people to see the cookies. Oh, the Girl Scout <laughs> the cookies. The Girl Scout cookies. Oh, yeah, it is Girl Scout cookie time. You I didn't even know, know that. Oh. I thought these were from last year. No. Oh. No. Okay. Do you know that one year I bought Girl Scout cookies and they lasted me the entire year? Wow. What is wrong with you? Well. Did you put them in the freezer and forget? No. <laughs> no, I left them at work. Oh. And I just, like, would have two cookies every other day or every week or. Wow. You have some serious self-control. Well. I literally sat down and ate, like, almost the whole box of Samoas the other night. It happens. I know. I didn't even know they were out though because I would. I like getting some. Oh, sorry. I would have off. Sure. Because well, Micaiah's doing Girl Scouts this year. We're not. What? I know. I <laughs> the look on her face right now. She's like, <laughs> I thought we were friends. Um. Yeah. All I did was just put them in the staff lounge at work. Okay. And just let people sign up. I didn't. I usually don't like to bug people about stuff wow. like that. Fundraisers. Yeah. Sorry. Next year. I may have some that you, I mean, there may be an opportunity we can talk about. Later. <laughs> okay. But they'll be at the stores. You know. Okay. Right. Yeah. They're cute. Yeah. Anyway. And I have to support them. Yeah. I can't walk by and not buy a box. I, well, and they're delicious. Well, that's true. You know, not that expensive. I need them. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember when they used to be $3 a box? Is, are they $5 a box? Six. Oh, they went up. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Okay. Who? I know. Sorry. We. Sticker shock. <laughs> no, and also, yeah, we got way. Off topic. I don't know how we got so far off topic for so long. I'm not Sorry. really sure. Sorry, guys. Uh, Let's bring it back. You know what? It's yeah, fine. It's fine. we can bring it back. Yeah, we're going to. Okay, so <laughs> Hippocrates. <laughs> Remember, we needed to either be pregnant, lactating, or regularly. I don't understand. But his rationale for these things was actually not totally off point. So, are you sure? Um, well, so in pregnancy, the extra blood. Um, was used to nourish the fetus. Okay. Okay. I know. Yeah. I was like, okay. 
Yeah. Sure. And lactation, the extra blood was diverted to the breasts and converted to milk to be eliminated during breastfeeding. Okay. I know. I'm Fine theory. I'm with these. Okay. <laughs> sure. Christina's like, I'm not buying it. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then the obvious one, menstruation, excess blood was eliminated through menstrual flow. So, yeah. but what he was off about was that maybe we that there was good. poison or something in our blood and not necessarily, you know, but that's why, like, if you're at it, if you have to be doing things in order to maintain homeostasis, then was all this, this extra blood must've been toxic to ourselves or something. I, I don't know. That yeah. Well, there is, um, what's it called? Oh Lord. If I say it wrong, I'm going to have to correct it. And then <laughs> Isn't it like hematomacrosis? Oh, wait, where there's the excess, iron? Um, there's excess blood. And so it's a, it's not a problem for women when they are menstruating because they're getting rid of the excess blood, but after menopause, they have to do something about it. Okay. I don't know. But I don't is it, does it have ele elevated iron levels? Is that how it's diagnosed? I don't know. There's, there's, um, there's, there's a lab test for it. Like, uh, cause it's there's like a, a specific, a specific marker, marker. Like yeah okay. all right interesting is that what it's called i think it is well hematochromatosis yeah i think you're right i mean that's what it's elevated iron in the blood though i think oh that's okay. not it then okay uh, what's it called i only know that because i got tested for it one <laughs> okay <laughs> um well okay i'll find it okay we'll yeah figure it out later okay all right <laughs> so the interesting thing is that preeclampsia has obviously been around since, you know, the beginning of time. Yeah. The beginning of birthing. It's not mm -hmm. like this is something that just came up recently. But, and they were able to kind of identify it way back then. <clears throat> so it wasn't classified as a disorder of pregnancy, though. Um, however, there are writings that describe symptoms as we know them now. Yeah. Um, such as headache accompanied by heaviness and convulsions during pregnancy. Oh, yeah. I know. And they use convulsions a lot. I kind For of go seizures. back and forth between seizures and convulsions in mm -hmm. my episode today. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, they're the same thing. Um, and it was noted as being bad, these headaches and heaviness and convulsions. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were. Um, so between 400 and 700 AD, um, uh, there, were very, there was very little pro uh, progress in medicine. During this time, dissections were illegal. Um, religion and superstition really guided disease theories. Um, and so there wasn't much progress as far as um, this goes specifically to. So between 700 and 1200 AD, things started to move forward again. The humorous theory came up again, but it was altered to kind of include one of the humors being dominated by the others to create balance within the body. Oh, anyway, so humors. one has to take over. Exactly. Okay. I know. Something cool happened <clears throat> in 1537, Pope Clement VIII, Granted permission um, to teach anatomy by human dissection. See? I know, because that, that. that's what we needed, right? Because then we would know <clears> that <throat> the womb doesn't wander. It's not found near the... It's, it will never be found up by the up esophagus. The, or the spleen. Exactly. It's or just, the liver. Yeah. And then they were able to see that it was like held in place. Although there are weird anatomy things well, there that are. can happen. I mean, there's all, yes. There's always... We're going to actually talk about one, too, <laughs> in just a little bit. A wandering but, womb? Um, not a wandering oh. womb one, but something else that's okay. just really rare that happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be an anomalies and things yes. that are out of the norm because our bodies are really amazing and crazy yeah. and can just do weird things. Anyway, um, so during this time, the female reproductive system was more accurately described and illustrated, mm -hmm. which I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, 
In the 1600s, the field of obstetrics was starting to be infiltrated by men because mm-hmm. before this, it was primarily women midwifery. Yeah. Right? Like it was women who were assisting other women during birth. And um, shout out to the granny midwives. I don't know if you know about granny midwives. No, what are you talking about? So I would like to do the evolution of midwifery. I, I think that would be really cool. Well. But <clears throat> really, um, granny midwives were enslaved and they came over um as slaves and they attended um women's births and they were the people to call for a birth if you were um black white you know you called your granny midwife Mm -hmm. and so that's what brought the practice to the americas and yeah and then oh yeah i want to hear more about and then medical men took over and yeah yeah. So anyway, there's lots to know about yeah, I'm those. And I think those granny midwives. Me too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So in uh, a French Frenchman, Francois Marichaud, I oh, think. Okay. You go, girl. I, I practiced saying that out loud a couple times, but I didn't look it up. So I hope I didn't butcher it. Anyway, um, he was born in 1637 and he was very influential during this time. Um, he was the first to systematically describe eclampsia and eclamptic oh. seizures. Um, he wrote that uh, prima gravidas or first time people who were pregnant for the first time were at greater risk for seizures than compared to multigravidas. Interesting. All the way back then. Because did, we're going to talk, because that's still, yeah, like, still one thing. of the biggest risks. So, yeah. um, he thought that the seizures were caused by two issues the first being abnormalities or suppression in lochial flow or that blood. Okay. The blood flow, inflammation, um, pains in the head, seizures. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The ab- <coughs> Let me back up. Yeah, because she's looking at me. Sorry. So the abnormalities or suppression of um, the lochial flow would cause this inflammation. Oh, right. Pains in the head, convulsions and seizures, <coughs> suffocation, and then death. So, you know, when you get to convulsing. Yeah. I mean, it's really bad. Yeah, Right. Right. Yeah. So, wow. And to go yeah. beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And then um, the other reason he thought that would cause the seizures would be intrauterine fetal death, and the reason would be the foul smell um, and cadaverous humors in the womb oh. would put the woman at risk for eclamptic seizures. So that's interesting. Oh yes. Well, so they were just stabbing at wit where yeah, like it came, comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. We this still is, are. Yeah, yes. Today yes, in yeah, modern medicine. I think that they weren't, I mean, they're not totally off as far as kind of what we think too, like now, you know, theories that are around now. So we'll get to that. Okay, good. Um, treatments during this time included charms, amulets, um, and prayer. And as time moved forward, treatments from ancient times came back into play. Like, uh, so in an attempt to decrease the cerebral congestion and prevent eclampsia, Marichu recommended two to three sessions of bloodletting during pregnancy. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. I know. So the bloodletting, it just, it was, it's persistent. Yeah. It's and persistent. that is the cure for hematoma. It is. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead and donate your blood. Yeah. I know. And so, yeah, there is a blood draw specifically yeah. to test for that. Anyway, yeah. that is what I was talking about. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. 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 Um, so, um, can you imagine being like pregnant and then losing I know all that blood? blood in two to three sessions? And yeah. and how and this was and then I wonder how how well did that work? And I would well, like to see the, it, this. It didn't. Well, no, it didn't. 
it caused probably some severe anemia. And that's what I was thinking. And then, too. and then you got all these other issues postpartum hemorrhage yeah. risks. Right. Anyway, oh boy, I know we could go on. I know. Okay. Um. So in 1596, Gabriel Covarus. Okay. 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 I I tried to look up who this guy was. Yeah. Um. But I think he was a physician, but I had a hard time actually establishing who he was. Even from but, the 1900s, it's hard to figure out yeah, who, people, who are. people are. Yeah. Um, but he described four types of seizures, um, each resulting from the head, stomach, and the pregnant uterus and um, chilled extremities. So Wait, there what? were seizures that came from the head. Okay. Seizures that were from the stomach. Like that originated from the stomach and caused the seizures. Oh. Seizures that originated from the pregnant uterus. Okay. So thinking preeclamptic seizures. Oh, okay. Um, and chilled extremities. So if your extremities got too chilled. Oh, like you're seizures. shivering. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think so. All right. Anyway, interesting. Okay. Um, in 1619, the word eclampsia was first yeah. found in the so, work of Van Verandas. So obviously preeclampsia is before eclampsia. Yes. And so preeclampsia is this illness that yeah. we're, we're going to div- dive into. Yeah. But eclampsia is like it's seizure. It's done happened yeah. and yeah. seizing is occurring. Yes. Yeah. And now you're at risk for coma and death. And um, DIC. And right. DIC. Oh, Do you talk about DIC? We're going to talk about um, DIC a little bit. And um, when we talk, yeah. When we, we probably could talk about DIC and help all in one. Yeah, uh, I have episode, quite a bit on it. And it yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it wasn't until the 18th century when there's a lot of names in here. Okay. When Boisier de Savages. <laughs> I love it. Distinguished eclampsia from epilepsy. Okay. Awesome. I think that that was cool. The delineation between, yeah, okay, this is two, pregnancy. Right. Pregnancy related mm-hmm. versus something else. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Um, in the 18th, in the 19th century, um, Dr. Thomas Denman thought the seizures were associated to living conditions and certain customs, but that the greatest risk came from the uterus itself. So they had some mm. ideas. Of, yeah. I mean, if it's pregnancy, I mean, if it's only happening during pregnancy, then you can guess that it's uterine potentially uterine. related, yeah, potential, but there's yeah. so much that changes in pregnancy, not just the uterus. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So he thought that the growing uterus placed pressure on the blood vessels and caused a backflow to the brain resulting in seizure, which is an interesting theory. Um, Some people did challenge this particular theory. Dr. William Tyler thought that this, that if this were true, more women would suffer from the condition. Yeah. That's probably. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was a good challenge there. Um, Dr. William Tyler had his own theories. Oh, Um, of course he did. He's going to refute all the others because he believes in himself. Yeah. I like it. So he thought that any mechanical or emotional stimulus applied in excess to the spinal center would cause a seizure. Oh, so external stimuli mm-hmm. caused pressure. Yeah. And emotional and excess emotion. Yeah. Okay. I know. So back to the hysteria. Exactly. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> well, he was, he had something going and yeah, now he I, he's lost my favor. Well, he did think that maybe the bloodletting was causing it. Okay. So I know. <laughs> So we were once curing it and once <laughs> causing it. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, he has a lot more theories, actually. Oh. He thought that maybe the variations in the wind, temperature, and other atmospheric changes could cause it. The barometric pressure. I think it, I think it would affect more women, right? In certain well, areas. Sure. 
But also the barometric, there is something about that. Okay. And I feel like it's a myth that we should go into, but okay. you know, like water breaks more during a storm okay. and things like that. Okay. I, yeah, I have yeah. my own midwifery. Okay. Uh, Thoughts about that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he also thought that irritation of the uterus, uterine passages and intestinal canal and the stomach could cause the eclectic seizures. Hmm. He might have something to that a little. I mean, I feel like we'll get there. Okay. Um, And then toxic elements. And so think about it because it used to be called toxemia. Mm -hmm. And so toxic elements um, have kind of been a persistent kind of thing too throughout history. And the preservation, he thought that specifically when he's talking about these toxic elements, that preservation of the healthy pregnancy depended on the elimination of waste and debris from the maternal and fetal systems, such as secretions of the bowels, and that failure to remove the toxins resulted in this toxemia, um, causing irritation to the central nervous system. So how is the seizure? But how is the toxic waste from the bowel getting to the uterus? Like that doesn't. I don't ask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fine. I won't. Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, moving on because I don't know. Okay. I have no idea what he was thinking. Dr. William Tyler. So Dr. William Tyler, despite his op- opposition to uh-huh. bloodletting, because he thought that it could be causing it. Yeah, thought that it was a bad idea. to be a treatment. Well, during the 1800s. Okay. Um, in some cases. Stop. The jugular vein or temporal artery <gasps> opened in an attempt to stop a... a, a Seizure that was happening currently. Shut. I know. Isn't uh, that wild? When I read that, I was like, "What is wrong with these people?" I mean, <laughs> they thought that they were just saving lives. I get it, but oh my god, can you? That thing's gonna be spraying and squirting. And they, did they die? Like, well, I don't know. If you're, they definitely. I mean, probably. Wow. I mean, if they didn't well, that die from the seizure, it. they died from the hemorrhage the, that was coming the from the jugular. jugular well, vein. at least it's not the carotid. It's, well, it's true. And it was a vein or the temporal artery. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In the brain? Or like. Well, because these work, this ouch. is where they thought the pressure, you know, because it was this baby flat. So they're trying to pressure, release. The pressure. I understand their rationale for it, but my goodness. I, they did some really barbaric things because yeah. barbaric behavior was acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Um, nowadays, we can't test like anything on pregnant women because it's so unethical. Yeah, right. But they're like cutting jugulars. I know. Okay. I know. We're just slitting throats over here. It's fine. <gasps> oh, I wanted. I want to do um, an episode on the history of cesareans. Oh. Because I was reading something about the first, one of maybe the first cesareans it's written about. They're not sure if it was really true, but it yeah. was very, it was this this man who tried, who wanted to save his wife and she had had this really yeah. long labor and he petitioned the court to let him go and do the C-section with his animal tools and apparently they both survived. But I want to do it. That sounds so fascinating. I was like, Megan, you don't have time to read into this right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard this story. Okay, you have. Yeah. I had never heard that. There's lots of good stuff yes. about cesareans. We, yeah, totally yeah. need to do it. Okay. So by the end of the 1800s, the toxins theory was becoming more widely accepted. Um, and um, treatments were focused on eliminating the toxins. Okay, mm-hmm. so those who believed meat increased toxins would recommend a diet in vegetables, fruits, and milk. Okay. Um, 
when a preeclamptic state was identified, women with headaches and edema were admitted to hospitals where they underwent treatment such as bleeding and purging to prevent convulsions. Still, like still, removing mm -hmm. blood from people is not a good idea. It's ever. just not unless you have the hematocrit. It's just really not. Yeah. That's I mean, right. You know, we need our blood. <laughs> it carries oxygen. It's there for a reason. It's there. Anyway. I can't imagine how I would feel mm -hmm. if I lost a pint of blood right now. I would be dying. You'd be tired. I would be so tired. Yeah. Um, symptoms were further identified as headaches and then temporary loss of vision. Oh, um, there's severe pain in the stomach. Yep. And edema of the hands, arms, neck, and face. So more symptoms now were being kind of yep. categorized. It was mm -hmm. being categorized further. Um, and also the discovery of eclamptic hypertension or high blood pressure and proteinuria or yeah. protein in the urine. So there were like, these are, things are happening. I, yeah. I feel like now. So during the 1900s, the pathophysiological changes were further identified and defined, but the etiology or cause was not. Yeah. So, um, toxemias of pregnancy during this time was replaced with hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, mm -hmm. a little bit better named. Um, well into the 1980s. So they started noticing that it was high blood pressure. Yes. High blood pressure yeah. was like one of these big things. Right? Yeah. We'll talk more about that too. Um, well into the 1980s, there were differing theories, um, but there wasn't any widely accepted theories. And mm -hmm. that was just in my, our lifetime. I yeah. Mean, we were born in the 80s. Um, one theory that was published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology was that it was caused by a parasitic worm. Oh, I know. This theory was quickly disputed in several other research groups, like where yeah. they proved that it wasn't true. I mean, they were just shooting. Well, I mean, you're whatever, shooting right? in the dark, like what was causing this. Yeah, I mean, because if you think we're going to get into statistics here in just a minute, but there's a lot of people who are pregnant all the time. Yeah. And then if there's a, any kind of percentage of those people suffering from a condition, like it's really affecting a lot of people. Yeah. So you're just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um. Many uh, thought it was endothelial tissue disorder that caused death of placental tissue. Okay, hold on to that thought. Mm -hmm. um, so the toxins from the dead tissue would be released into maternal circulation, wreaking havoc and causing blood pressure issues and protein in the urine. Yep. So interesting. Mm -hmm. They were starting to maybe like kind of get a little bit into it. Um, in the beginning of the 20th century, two very different approach approaches to treatment were taken, though. One was immediate C-section um, okay. when the condition was identified. Yeah. The problem was that this was like in the early 1900s. And yeah. So the yeah. Um, maternal mortality rate during C-sections was extremely high. Yeah. So they had to like balance all of the health of the mother, the health of the baby versus eclampsia, eclampsia and the risk of C-section and death from that. So that was kind of. So isn't that amazing to just think about? Yeah. I, um, I tell people every day how important it is that we have the technology of yeah. a cesarean yeah. because I think a lot of moms feel defeated yeah. when they have a, a cesarean, they but should be happy because they're alive. Right. And it's alive. easy for us to say that, yeah. but when, when you know that in a different time yeah. they wouldn't have survived, right. you're so thankful. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize cesarean as a cool tool tool yeah. for healthy moms and babies I agree. and no, I totally agree. i'm really glad i don't have to see women die all the time i know yeah yeah because this is really new technology in the whole scheme of the history of humanity yeah very true lots and lots of women and babies have died 
Yeah. Um, so the other approach was much more conservative. There was, um, it, the rationale was that hastening of labor and delivery increased the, incur the occurrence of convulsions through the induction of that reflex stimulation. Mm. So that stimulation, um, involuntary and near instantaneous movement in response to a stimulus. And so then they thought that that would increase the risk of actually having an eclamptic seizure. Okay. Um, and then the purpose of management was to prevent the seizures, um, obviously. Um, and so physicians, so in order to prevent this noxious stimuli or something that could prevent, that could cause a seizure, physicians um, were counseled to abstain from va vaginal examinations, abstain from abdominal palpation or feeling of the belly, um, no massaging of the kidneys, no cold blasts of air. And what were they cold blasting of air for? Like, why did we have to be told not to give you a cold <laughs> blast of air? Well, what was happening? I don't know. I didn't think Oof. about that actually. Like, I didn't look into like cold what were they doing. But to... they did do rectal exams to feel a cervix. Yes, I do know that. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine how? I mean, how? What's the, even the point? Well, I can tell you probably would know when they were complete because the head is on the bowel. But that's it. I mean, you would yeah. not be able to assess the cervix any other way. You know, I should ask Dr. Heilman. Yeah. She would be able to tell me how yeah. to feel one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ask her. I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And then um, that, and that even the, well, the di they also thought that even just the dilation of the cervix could cause it because this was a stimulant stimulant that was happening dilating the cervix okay and um but but i thought this was interesting the application of forceps to assist with delivery was permissible if they were safely applied and then i say to myself what who would unsafely apply them and how is the application of forceps okay but not cervical but dilation not cervical dilation <laughs> or exam medicine right back in the day back before the we day. knew what we were doing, yeah. right? Yep. So if they had to do examinations and treatments, they were performed under light anesthesia and the stimuli within the room was reduced by keeping um, like the room dark and quiet. Well, that's, that's actually good. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. type of stimulation is no, great. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> morphine and chloral hydrate were used to keep patients sedated and to decrease frequency of convulsions. So now, right. Okay. So I'm thinking of a laboring woman. They also gave uh, alcohol drips to uh, preterm laboring women because alcohol would relax the uterus. Did you know that? I had no idea. Preterm labor. My mouth is open right now. <laughs> Because I'm thinking of danger. Yeah. Danger. But I mean, morphine and what is the other one? Chlor Chloral hydrate. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, oxygen was also Neonatal used. abstinence syndrome. Yeah, seriously. That would have been a sitch. I know. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah, because I wonder how long they would give that for and how often. Anyway, um, oxygen was also used to manage the airways respiratory system so that was good yeah um digoxin was used to manage the cardiac system after a seizure digoxin digoxin okay yeah um after a seizure if the pulse was found to be rapid and weak i so think that digoxin is like not something you should use in pregnancy is it well it's after oh no yeah in pregnancy after a seizure i'm not really sure i'm gonna look i don't know but you know i mean it's bad yeah doing lots of things back then I mean, bloodletting i mean yeah 
labor was allowed to progress on its own. And this is so weird, okay? Because oh, at six centimeters, it is safe. It's category C. Okay. Um, so at six centimeters, though, it was just routine. Like at six centimeters, mm -hmm. now we're going to break the water. Yeah. So now we're going to break the water. Well, at, at least it wasn't three centimeters. That's true. Yeah. yeah. No, I did thought that was pretty progressive. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then I thought this was really cool. Okay. Because this is just a timeless treatment. So mag. Magnesium. magnesium was first used in 1906. Wow. And by the 1920s, it had a widespread intravenous usage. Wow. And this is what we use today. And yeah. We'll talk more about it. Um, but I just thought, yeah, it's been over 100 years, the exact same treatment. Wow. I know. That's crazy. It's wild to me. Yeah. The same treatment. I'm sorry. I just, it's really, mm -hmm. I'm just stuck on that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of the. Yeah. The, the history. History. Yeah. Okay, short history, she says. <laughs> Maybe if I didn't interrupt so much. <laughs> like, how much time you got? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. This is going to be a long episode. Um, okay, so let's talk about what preeclampsia is. We talked about the history of it. Now let's like talk, like, what is it, right? Yeah. Do we even know? Well, we do. We have a definition. We don't have a cause. We don't. Yeah, there's theories. Okay, there's so. There's better theories than what we've heard? There are. Well, I have one that okay. I think is the most common, but we'll talk Ooh. about it. When, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm curious uh -huh. about what you think. Um, okay. So according to the up-to-date article that I was using, um, preeclampsia refers to the new onset of hypertension mm -hmm. categorized by 140 over 90 um, or greater than and protein urea or the new onset of hypertension plus significant end organ dysfunction mm -hmm. with or without protein urea in a previously normotensive person so, who had normal blood pressure. And does it say after, after 20? Typically after 20 weeks uh -huh. or postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you want to add to that definition? Nope. Okay. That so great. I wanted to talk a little bit about end organ dysfunction yeah. and what that looks like. Yeah. So um, there, we'll go through some body systems here. So um, some symptoms of central nervous system dysfunction um, are new onset um, cerebral or visual disturbances such as photopsia, which is a flash of light or like the little floaties you get in your eyes. Mm -hmm. Scotomata. Scotomata. What? <laughs> Scotomata. I just feel like I'm not saying that right. Scotomata? No, it's scotomata. 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 Okay. Okay. So this is, I know, sorry. That took a That was a minute. I yeah. thought you were seizing. <laughs> we're talking about seizures. <laughs> She's going to fall sick. Okay. So this is partial loss um, of vision or like a blind spot that's developed. Yeah. Um, cortical blindness or loss of vision without any like ophthalmologic ophthalmological well, pause why can't i talk today ophthalmological uh, ophthalmological <laughs> <laughs> what is english yeah anyway without any eye problems okay or any eye, like reasons specific to the eye and then i thought of you yes because, do you remember yes i do because <sighs> so christina scary. went blind I one did. day but it wasn't related to preeclampsia. It was not preeclampsia. I woke up and I had and lost. She was pregnant. I was pregnant. I was probably, I don't know. I was, uh, I don't know, 24 weeks maybe. I wasn't very far along. I mean, 
I don't remember how far along I was, mm-hmm. but I woke up and my vision was gone in my right peripheral. I will remember this forever because yeah. it was very sure. scary. And so I shut my eyes again thinking, oh, it'll go away. And I opened them and I, my vision was gone for about an hour. And at this time I was a nurse yeah. at the hospital, but I hadn't, I mean, I hadn't been a nurse for forever. And my physician was out of town. And actually the physician that I work with very closely oh. now was on call. And um, I called him and I told him my symptoms and he was like, have you ever heard of preeclampsia? I'm like, do you know who, you, who I'm talking? Who, who you're talking to? Like, it's Christina. That's me. We've worked together for years. Like, <laughs> like it's me. Well, he didn't. You know, the answering service doesn't give oh, us all the information, I and see, I didn't right. want to call him on his personal line because right, I yeah. felt like that wasn't appropriate because yeah. I was a nurse, but I was not that. I was not even his patient. Right. Anyway, um, so. Um, I was like, it's me. And he was like, oh my gosh. And then he was like, oh man, like this, like if she's calling and complaining, we need to work this up. And so they actually did a, um, a cat, uh, MRI and they thought I had hemorrhaging on my brain. I don't know if you remember that. that. Um, and so then I did a cat scan, which is like a little, like, should you do that in pregnancy? But I was like, if I'm hemorrhaging in my brain, brain. I need to know. (laughs) Um, so they did that and they were like, it's just calcifications on your brain. And I was like, well, because I've been using my brains a lot. Like I like, just, what? like, it's just calcifying and dying. Like what? what? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's normal to have calcifications throughout your body. I, okay. um, I don't know. I didn't okay. look much into it. Okay. Um, but turns out I did not have preeclampsia or a stroke. Cause that's something yeah. that can happen. Um, when your blood pressure gets so elevated, you yeah. can stroke. Um, but it was an atypical migraine without pain. Without pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. Isn't that crazy? Terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for the story. Christina's story. Pregnancy. Yeah. It does crazy things. It does. It's and they're wild. all just like, quote unquote, normal. It's fine. You're, you're going to live. I know. Okay. Yeah. After. <laughs> my my sister developed a, a freckle on her foot. That concerned her because it just came during pregnancy all of a sudden. A freckle. And she called me and I said, I love that so much. I love that so much. I'm over here with loss of vision. She's like, and I'm like, should I call? And my husband's like, you better call. I'm like, should I call? Let me just wait 30 minutes. And so I waited an hour before I called. Isn't that funny? I know. Nurses, you're the worst. We're the worst patients ever. That's true. Anyway, back to the central nervous system dysfunction. So other another thing that can happen is a retinal vasospasm. And this is thought to be the cause of like ocular migraines mm-hmm. generally. Um, and or severe headache. Now, let's talk about the headache. Okay. This isn't just like your no. everyday headache. This nope. is generally incapacitating the worst headache you've ever that had. you've ever felt in your life. Is not relieved with like Hy- any hydration, medicine. caffeine. Yeah medicine rest dark room cold cloth like it's the worst yeah and going back to visual changes like black floaters in your eyes when you move too quickly or if you're in a hot shower normal right normal. that's fine yeah a few seconds here and then gone yeah sparklers that are white and like all over and are lasting longer than a few minutes not normal call your doctor right now okay yeah exactly yeah very good thank you okay and when i say doctor i mean provider provider let's not exclude myself right <laughs> call me <laughs> sorry no that's good um okay so some liver abnormalities so um the liver is yeah. really affected by preeclampsia so impaired um 
liver function not accounted for by another diagnosis, obviously, and characterized by um, a serum transaminase concentration that's two times the upper limit of the normal mm -hmm. range. So you'll see that lab value. And then severe and persistent upper right quadrant pain, yep. generally. Now, or epigastric pain, it can kind of... It can radiate mm -hmm. sometimes just depending, but it's going to be generally in that kind of area. So a lot of people complain of upper middle abdominal pain and it's just simply um, acid reflux right. or heartburn that can be very painful. Yeah. This is more, it can be centered, um, but it's more on the right. Yeah. It's a little bit more on the right where your liver liver's living. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and again, not, it's going to be a persistent pain. It's yeah. not going to be like, oh, I just have a sharp stabbing pain probably because like your baby kicked you or something. You know, right. Or something. No, this is like this severe is like states. Severe and persistent. It yeah. Go away. Um, so thrombocytopenia. Mm -hmm. um, big uh, word. Yeah. Big word that means low platelets. Yep. So your platelets help clot, clotting. Um, anyway, so anything that is under a hundred thousand platelets, that would be considered thrombocytopenia. Um, also, you can develop heart failure. Um, Preeclampsia doesn't affect the myocardium directly, which is that heart muscle, but the heart responds to the physiological changes induced by the disease that could then result in yep. heart failure, which is kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the kidneys, we're talking about some serious body systems yeah. here that you have to have to live. So yeah. it's affecting like really, mm -hmm. I mean, you need all the body systems. Too. Yeah. But um, anyway. So your kidneys can start to shut down. Mm -hmm. They're not going to um, be able to filter creatinine. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an elevated serum creatinine, mm -hmm. that can be helpful in diagnosing. Um, doubling of the serum creatinine um, concentration generally in the absence of other kind of renal disease. And then increased uric acid related to a decreased glomular filtration rate, mm -hmm. which we did talk about in another episode. Yeah. We talked a little bit about glomular filtration. So, um, and then finally, um, the respiratory system, you can develop pulmonary edema, which is fluid in the lungs. Um, pulmonary edema is um, a feature of the severe end of the disease spectrum and was observed in 10% of 63 cases in a prospective study that was done wow so that's huge yeah so that's yeah. i think if it's you know progressing it's not being i mean i'm thinking about all the people we take care of and we usually identify it pretty early yeah we do now cases. because we're watching people so closely yeah. there's a lot of things that we're yeah. doing like we're checking your urine every time you come into yeah. the clinic and you know there's, there's things of... that and we're checking your blood pressure yeah. um <clears throat> one of the things that's interesting and happens in my in my clinical setting um, is that when it's severe preeclampsia, it's very sudden generally. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I see is peripheral edema mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. So somebody might have a weight gain of 15 pounds in a yeah. week or oh two. Gosh, so and it's just totally. so extreme. Yeah. Um, and usually that's a sign when it's that much edema that they're gonna maybe because there's a fair amount of regular edema, yeah. but when it's, it's involving your face and your hands yeah. and your, you know, yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Very good. And then, yeah, that'll definitely put you, your body's not reading fluid. Yeah. Cause your kidneys, rid of yep. fluid yep. your kidneys and then it's just all going to back up and congest everything. Yep. Um, so preeclampsia, we'll talk about the fetus. So some fetal findings. 
um, because we're primarily worried about mom, Mm -hmm. um, but we also need to be looking at our baby because they can um, develop fetal growth restriction or GR, intrauterine growth restriction, just reduced to this uteral placental perfusion. Yeah, because if you have vasoconstriction from hypertension that's chronic, um, it can decrease the blood flow to the placenta because your blood flow in your veins is not as as good as it should be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Oh, and there can also be like compromised Doppler mm-hmm. flows in the uh, cord. So do you know, so just a little more on the Doppler yeah. flows. So um, it'll show, we do like what's called an SD cord ratio to see how blood is moving and perfusing from the placenta to the baby and from the baby's back mm-hmm. to the placenta, which can show us, do we have time? Is mm-hmm. this baby doing well? Um, can we, watch another week mm-hmm. and just kind of play, Oh, okay. We're fine. We're stable. Okay. We'll, we'll try again next week and we'll just see, yeah. because then we can watch to see how baby's responding right. and then inter- and intervene if baby's struggling. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. Okay. So just a few statistics now. I love statistics. Okay. Me too. So preeclampsia is responsible for approximately 50 to 60,000 pregnancy-related deaths a year worldwide. Hoofda. Isn't that wild? That's sad. I know. It really is. Um, Hoofda. Yeah. So 10 to 15% um, of maternal deaths are related. This is worldwide, are related to preeclampsia. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's serious. Yeah, it is. It's not a laughing Um, matter. It's not. In the United States, uh, preeclampsia and eclampsia is one of the four leading causes of maternal death, Mm -hmm. along with hemorrhage. Yeah cardiovascular conditions, and thromboembolisms. Yeah. <clears throat> In approximately 5% of cases, the first the signs and symptoms are first recognized postpartum. Yeah. So every once in a while, we'll get readmits for postpartum. Yeah. They didn't have anything going on, and then they come back with high blood pressure and yeah. all these other things going on. It's important to know that it can happen. It can happen. Like yeah. the cure is birth, yeah. but it, you're not out of the water yet Yeah. because exactly. your cardiovascular system is still recovering. It is. Um, so it usually does develop within 48 hours of birth. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority present with symptoms after the 20 week of pre- pregnancy. Very few will. It's very, very rare before the 20th week. But, you know, it's just like there's always outliers. Right. Kind of things every once in a while. Um, so <clears throat> the disease is not completely understood, despite the countless studies yeah that have been done to try to figure out what is going on with this because our bodies are an amazing place i know and it is it's wild fast it's fast and it's very unknown there's so many things unknown there's so many things this is one of the things pregnancy it's like one of those things i tell people sometimes you just have to like be comfortable with not knowing things Mm -hmm. because there's just so many things that you just don't don't know why you know people want answers right for why things are happening or why why is this happening why is that and i just don't have an answer a lot of times for things yeah um so but there are characteristics and theories that are pretty widely accepted yeah so abnormal placental issues Mm -hmm. issues with the placenta seem to be the primary accepted theory and we're going to kind of get into that a little bit but this is where you can really get into like the I'll talk about that the a little bit, but Coravillae. That's yeah. We're not getting into that. Oh, <laughs> and we're not, darn. Not at the cellular no, level. It's, it's fine. But um, 
the I think that's what they are feeling, right? That's the maybe the main cause is the the little like the little fingers from the placenta that are um, going into the uterine wall. There's like an inflammation that's happening at that time. Yeah, that's causing this to be a problem later. Yeah, I um, it, but it has to do with the placenta. Yeah, yeah, the placenta yeah. and the uterus. And there's yeah. some question about is it the placenta or the uterus? I'm going to mm -hmm. get into that. Um, yeah. So, and this is like the merging of both, right? So the theory yeah, the, is like the as uterus. it's like yes. moving it's, into the uterus, there's something with that process that's causing that's causing inflammation, inflammation in yeah. and a future reaction. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Um, so, um, increased uterine artery resistance, chronic immune activation, mm -hmm. intrauterine fetal growth restriction, increased inflama inflammatory cytokines, maternal endothelial dysfunction, and decreased vasodilators can all kind of affect this whole process and the yep. response of the placenta. Uh-huh. Um, That's a lot you just said. Maybe. I know. It is. It's a lot. I'm going to talk about some of these okay. a little bit more. Okay. So... Um, the role of placental ischemia, mm -hmm. so the death of placental right. tissue um, in the disease process of preeclampsia is pretty well established. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of why right. it's happening. So most people agree that it's pl placental cell death that is the the cause, but what's causing the placental cell death is right. the question. Um, and then also it's not clear... Um, yeah, some people are just not sure if it's the placenta or if it's, or if the uterus has some involvement too. Mm -hmm. Um, so the National Institute of Health, um, published this article called Molecular Mechanisms of Preeclampsia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sounds and so involved. I, yeah. So I started to read this and at first I was like, okay, I'm just going to mention this article and say, uh, this was too deep, but this, there's information. And so I started to read it and I was like, okay, this is okay. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm getting this. And then it just... It got so beyond what I could even translate to the public. But this is what I got for you. Okay. So um, <laughs> the placenta is both necessary and sufficient. According to this article, the placenta is both necessary and sufficient to cause the disease. And the delivery of the placenta is the only treatment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the article. Um, so that makes sense. So it's a placenta. Yep. It has to be present. The placenta in order has to be present. For preeclampsia to occur. Yes. I like it. Okay. And that I think we can prove in yeah. various ways, but I'll talk about a few other things here. Um, so the article speaks to, um, so this toxins are a thing. Yeah. So it speaks to specific toxins. There's lots, like if you want, if you are into biochemistry, the article is linked in the show notes. You can go read this article yeah. and digest all of this yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, and, but a couple of the toxins that they're kind of talking about and referring to that cause problems, um, are the FLT1, and this is a protein for coding genes oh. and inflammatory cytokines. Ah. So these are just kind of circulating, causing havoc, but it's released from the ischemia from the placenta. Okay. So that the death of the placental tissue is releasing. Interesting. Genes. Yeah. And so there's various ways that the placenta can be injured. Right. Like what you were just speaking to. Yep. And that, and there have been um, so many experiments and studies done trying to figure this all out. We kind of talked about that. Um, so I found an article because I was trying to find the most recent mm -hmm. information. I mean, a lot of mm -hmm. this has kind of been 
kind of at a standstill for a long time. Yeah. Like they kind of figured it out and yeah. you know, like, I mean, like the treatment's been the same and mm -hmm. everything. Um, so I was trying to find out if there was any like new information, not necessarily, but I found an article that was just published last year. Okay. February, um, and it was published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Um, and it just really talked about potential etiologies. Yeah. So, um, it mentioned a few things going back again. We're going back to time. Back yeah. in time. So in 1914, James Young, he suggested that interference with the uterine blood supply to the placenta would lead to placental infarctions and cell death. Okay. Um, resulting in releasing these toxins into the maternal circulation that would then lead to the eclampsia. Okay. And, you know, after this whole body system. Yeah. Um, he, his theory was based on findings from animal studies. So they did this one, um, in guinea pigs. So they took this autolyzed human placental extract or basically this destroyed placental tissue that would then in theory have these, release these toxins. Yeah. So they uh, injected that into these guinea pigs subcutaneously. Um, and the guinea pigs had seizures. And when they did like these autopsies on the guinea pigs afterwards, they found liver necrosis and lesions on the kidneys that were very similar to those oh. found in preeclamptic pregnant women or eclamptic pregnant women. Wow. I know. Interesting. It is interesting. Um, in 1940, there was an article that was published in Experimental Biology and Medicine. Oh, that's, I know. Wow. Okay. So, and this is around the time when um, it was like the 1940s when um, bioethics was starting yeah. to really be established and stuff like that. So they're, you know, experiments just were running wild. Yeah. Without any kind of regulation or, uh, you know, internal review boards and stuff like that. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, uh, it was reported in this article that clamping of the abdominal aorta, they did this on a dog, I think. This was oh. a dog. So they, they, would, they clamped um, the aorta, the abdominal aorta below the renal arteries, yeah, in dogs that led to maternal hypertension that then resolved after the clamp was released. So they're kind of so they're saying the compression of an yeah. abdominal artery that's huge yes. by the way yeah. is causing is, backflow and hypertension hypertension but then you remove the clamp and, and it, it magically yeah. yeah of but course it was, this was not observed in non-pregnant animals oh that's what it was. Yeah. i see so then they did it yeah so it was concluded out that it was um the hypertensive response was must be uh related to the uterus Poor puppies. I know. Oh, anyway, that makes me sad. And then additionally, <laughs> after removing the pregnant uterus, clamping the aorta did not elicit this hypertension. Interesting. Yeah. So it was related. I mean, the, I mean, you would think that it would cause this hypertension just in general, but it didn't in this experiment. It was only when you decrease the blood flow to the uterus. Interesting. That would... That's very bizarre. I know it is. Huh. It? Okay. Yeah. Um, a couple of other uh, pieces of evidence that support the that it's the placenta. Yeah. Um, so patients with abdominal pregnancies, so ah. pregnancies that develop outside of the uterus, there are some that go. To yeah. Viability. And yeah. Deliver. It's crazy. And there have been cases of women who have um, developed preeclampsia with an abdominal pregnancy. Yeah. So then that says the uterus then it's concluded it's not the uterus. Right. It's the placenta. Right. Because the placenta, placenta has attached somewhere else and the uterus isn't even involved. Right. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting. That is very interesting. 
Um, abdominal pregnancies account, this is just a little side note, but account for up to 1.4% of ectopic pregnancies. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's yeah. really a, quite a small amount. Yeah. Um, okay, so getting back to like injuring the placenta and what happens. So they they would place these Z sutures. So they would like, yeah, do, like a Z, like a suturism, like a like stitch. A, yeah, it's a yeah. stitch. So they would do this Z stitch through the placenta and that would cause ischemia and yeah. death to the placenta in that area. Yep. And then these toxins were released. Then these toxins would be released and then these women would develop or the animals would develop um, hypertension and protein in their urine. So wow. it just goes back to it's the placenta, right? Yeah. It wasn't the uterus that they damaged. It was the placenta. Interesting. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And these were um, studies that were done back in the 40s. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, let's see. So basically, this article, um, this one that I was that was just published last year. Yeah. Um, just kind of outlines. I'll just kind of quickly go through just a few other things. So just to support the link between placental ischemia and preeclampsia, mm -hmm. which is basically where everyone kind of falls as like, this must be what's happening. Right. Um, so those experiments that we just talked about um, that showed that this ischemia can lead to this hypertension proteinuria, that uterine blood flow is lower in patients with preeclampsia than women in, uh, with a normal pregnancy, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, placental um, lesions are indicative of ischemia and are frequent and consistent findings in preeclamptic patients. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, and then I was talking about that FLT1. Uh-huh. Protein? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's <clears throat> protein. So, a blockage of this um, can reduce hypertension and proteinuria. Oh. Yeah. So, then that really seems like it's a cause, yeah. you know? Yeah. Interesting. Know. Yeah. I know. Um, I did this research. <laughs> I know. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. <laughs> and I, I mean, I can talk so much more about yeah. this. Yeah. But it's that's kind of the gist. Yeah. So anyway, what people what we think, what yeah. the studies show now is that it's it's a placenta issue. Yeah. Most people agree it's a placenta issue. It's placenta ischemia mm -hmm. that is the cause. But what exactly is causing the ischemia? Right. So we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. So the etiology is still unknown. Isn't it's that wild. crazy? How is there a disease that we don't yeah. know? It's a question I'm going to ask God and later. There's so, yeah, seriously. Yeah. And there's so many of them. I just feel like this one is so common. Yeah. And so just out there. Like, it just seems like we could figure it out. But yes. Yeah. Technology can only go so far. Okay. So let's talk about different. Um, oh, I thought that was the end. No. What do you mean? I we just even talked about preeclampsia hardly. No, I guess I did. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. It just keeps going and going. Okay. I thought you were telling me it was like time to be done. No. Oh, okay, no. girl. I'm... Where are we at for time? I have I'm... no idea. Maybe okay. we need a part two. I know. I'm almost wondering. I don't even know. Probably Do you all want to come back next time? Should we ask the people? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, give it to us now. Let me see how many pages I am through here. Because <laughs> I had, you know, 20. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I'm only halfway through. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I think we do a yeah. part two. Okay. All right, you guys. Because there's still. <laughs>
Y'all, we love you so much yeah. and we value your time. We do. We also want to make sure that you're listening to all of our episodes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of daunting to, to get a two-hour episode. Yeah. Like on your thing, you're like, oh, yeah. when am I going to have time to listen to a two-hour yeah. episode? So let's just make a part two. We're just going to make a part two. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No. And we'll try to give it to you a little bit quicker yeah. so that you don't have to wait a whole week yeah. to get your material. Yeah. Does that sound good? Very good. So... Something to, some things to look forward to is we're going to go through each of the different pregnancy hypertensive disorders. Yes. We're going to talk about treatments. We're going to talk about a little more extensively into the symptoms. Okay. And then um, uh, we have a, a question from a listener that we'll answer. That's awesome. Okay. I'm really excited. All right. So don't forget, y'all, to um, give us your love by writing a review. Yeah. Um, telling us all about um, what you like and uh, share us with your friends, your besties. And then uh, don't forget, we have this like giveaway yeah. and we want to give away our things. We do. So in order to get involved in that, you have to submit a story. It can be any type of story that you think um, you want to share. Um, and you have to submit that before the 18th. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we hope you feel enlightened. I hope you do. Come back for we more preeclampsia enlightenment. Uh, soon. Yeah. Not not very far from now. Not very far. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.